This is Questions of Courage, a podcast from the youth section at the Goetheanum, hosted by Nathaniel Williams. Welcome to Questions of Courage. Today I'd like to talk about something which young people who are interested in inner development and also spiritual questions and greater questions of spiritual meaning will have to come to terms with, even if it's just in trying to form a judgment about it. And this is the area of the use of psychedelics for spiritual growth, um, access of of insights, and also transformation. And this is a time when it is going to be increasingly important to talk about this, uh, because the availability, accessibility, of, of these substances is, um, has never been so broad since the 1960s. And um, at many universities right now, uh, psychedelics are being uh, researched in consciousness studies programs for their therapeutic uses to treat addiction, depression, but also in hospice care and other areas. And Of course, then, just in civil society, uh, with uh, accessibility and legalization in many cases, and to the whole conversation around psychedelics as a spiritual kind of fulcrum or springboard, um, many young people simply have to come to terms with whether or not they would like to engage with them and also how they can understand them. I'd like to offer today a few really basic considerations and and particularly to look at how one dilemma that's connected to the use of psychedelics for spiritual growth and spiritual insight, which is a, a problem that has to do with integrating uh, spiritual understanding into daily consciousness and also our, our normal understanding. And in order to approach that, I'm going to try to talk about some of the challenges that come up through uh, experimentation with psychedelics, and then also talk a little bit about the variety of contemplative practice and meditation that um, is really at the core of the work at the Goethe Anam, and which I've already spoken about in a previous episode called Meditation as Inquiry. And these two uh, things can hopefully illumine one another and get to what I think are some pretty crucial points. Now there's a misconception out there. Many people, when they think about uh, psychedelics and, and um, that are often called hallucinogens, they, they don't understand what all the fuss is about. I mean, if you have these, these, uh, these drugs, um, and you have hallucinations, why would they have such profound importance for you? I mean, just like a fantasy or a dream, can't you just dismiss them? Or, you know, um, why do you take them so seriously? And uh, this is something that is points towards the power of psychedelics, which is they, they open up a variety of experience in some cases which would best be compared and which often is compared to really powerful um, mystical experiences or spiritual experiences. And William James, the American philosopher and psychologist, um, 
was already really interested in this distinction, and he himself was very interested in the potential that um, psychedelic drugs had in furthering understanding and also spiritual perception. And he tried to describe this character by calling it a noetic quality. When you have these inner visions or what we call hallucinations, they have a kind of power where they prove their own validity, they prove their own legitimacy, they communicate something that is almost like a primal beingness. And um, compared to normal consciousness, it's really hard to describe it. And when, when the countless people uh, since the 1960s, at least in the English-speaking world, have been um, exposed to this, one of the first dilemmas that they found themselves having to come to terms with was how to integrate these experiences where suddenly they, at the core of their being, feel convinced that there's a spiritual foundation of existence with their normal knowledge. And their normal knowledge is such uh, of kind of just contemporary scientific discourse, um, which views uh, human consciousness itself as a hallucination as, and as unreal, and as the world itself as a kind of inert and lifeless um, um, process that through the laws that pretty much everyone is familiar with through natural history and environmental science have led to the great variety of life that we know. But there's not a, 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 a spiritual dimension to this life. So people find themselves with a kind of gap they have an experience where they have to acknowledge the reality of this spirit, which was induced by the use of psychedelics. And on the other hand, they have kind of normal knowledge, normal consciousness, normal awareness. And this seems like utter nonsense. And then they have to find a way to try to integrate these things together. Now, people went very different ways. In the last 60 years, people went all different ways to try to bring these things together. And in many people's biographies, you find different solutions and different attempts to integrate these powerful experiences that were opened with a kind of deeper understanding of existence. Now, I'd like to just kind of frame this difficulty, um, this initial dilemma that can emerge uh, in, a, in a way by comparing it with an access to the spiritual which is built up on a kind of organic and incremental process of inner work and development. And then to try to bring the two together and see what understanding comes out of that. In an earlier episode that was focused on meditation as inquiry, I tried to describe some of the contemplative practices which are at the heart of the School for Spiritual Science, which has its center at the Goethe Anam. And I'm going to characterize them and describe them again within this context um, in a slightly different way. But let's, um, first of all, just Imagine, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to follow along with me and, and describe some of the um, developments that can be achieved through a disciplined practice of a certain type. 
And I'd like to say emphatically that um, I am sharing all of this with a background presupposition that anyone who is interested and willing to try to follow a similar path would come to similar results, even though they might describe them somewhat differently. And, um, and that in no way do I want to just present them in any authoritative way, but also they, like all explorations, would, would be subject to uh, both um, improvement and uh, more specificity. Okay, having said that, if we make as an object of concentration a picture, a symbol, a geometric form, a verse, and we gather all of our concentration together and we focus it on this object of consciousness, of concentration, but we do so in such a way that we make sure that our feeling is also involved and that we experience the exertion of our effort and our will in the process as well. We can come slowly to be able to concentrate and limit our awareness on a focused point and that all of our powers of concentration and feeling and effort find themselves focused in this point. Necessarily, the other side of that is that we're not um, losing ourselves in thought associations or sensations of our body, but that we're really kind of losing ourselves in this picture, this meditative experience of concentration and attention. With time and repeated practice, what happens is that this picture begins to exhibit a kind of life of its own in ways. It begins to uh, exhibit a kind of dynamism and also warmth and radiance and a kind of creativity that surprises one and that one experiences that it is in a way independent of one's own creative inventiveness. And this is really interesting because there's something paradoxical here, namely that this is a product that one is bringing forth through one's intense concentration, almost like a creative act. And at the same time, in this field of concentration and imagination, one has the experience that something is coming back towards one that is a surprise that one is not responsible to, and yet which is dependent on one's ability to concentrate and to control one's awareness. Now, this is a, a kind of opening of a new quality and dimension of experience, one that is extremely refreshing and in a way invigorating, and that has moral dimensions, both of the good and of the bad. And, but in any case, it's as if a, a, a scene uh, on television, which was black and white, suddenly went in full color. Another comparison is if um, we look back on our normal thought that we experience before we develop this kind of con concentrated discipline practice, and our normal thought is almost like shadows or silhouettes in comparison to this kind of living and warm and radiant and dynamic horizon of thinking 
which feels extremely creative and also has a kind of weightiness and gravity that normal thinking doesn't have. So that it's almost like we feel that this creative horizon of thought feel like where we find something that is real. And in our normal thought, we almost feel like we're dealing with shadows and silhouettes, things that are fleeting and ephemeral. But these two things do not feel like they exclude one another. Instead, one feels that every normal thought, abstract thought or kind of shadowy thought, is connected somehow to this plane of creative life. And one learns to be able to, to follow, so to say, from a shadow to the real thing, or what I'm going to say is the real thing, even though we're talking about, for instance, an inner experience, and to see how um, normal consciousness and a kind of creative horizon or plane of consciousness are interwoven together. It is not only that we feel that the, um, the creative plane of consciousness is meaningfully connected to kind of abstract thought or uh, these shadow shadow, shadowy thoughts of normal consciousness, but we also feel that this creative plane of thought is, created, is, is related to the whole world that we think about. And now whether that be the wheat in the fields, the clouds in the sky, the colors of the rainbow, the cars and houses that we get in and out of all day, computer technology, or streams and rivers, weather patterns, or technologies of met metallurgy, all of these things that this kind of creative plane or horizon of experience is connected to them and that somehow we sense that it, there's a kind of creative foundation for the world that we live in that does not usually come into our consciousness in daily life before and did not come into consciousness before we developed these practices. Now, important to notice here is that the entrance into a kind of spiritual experience in this way is something that one develops incrementally, that one um, has a kind of control over, and that is accompanied by, because of its inc incremental organic nature, that that can't really be separated from a certain kind of understanding of the relationships and interconnections of these different varieties of experience. And this differs, um, obviously, from um, a situation where one has a very strong spiritual experience, and then one is placed back in a kind of sober waking consciousness and one feels a huge gap between the two, and yet one somehow has to find an integration of these two. Now, I'd like to return to this challenge, however, and to just bring to articulation and concern uh, one concern that could, one could think about quite a bit and try to deepen, and which I think is very important. If 
we develop a kind of relationship to the spiritual which is based on an intensification of our own participation and abilities and a kind of growth of our capacities and spiritual capacities, then we, one thing that we realize is that in order to turn and enter with understanding and consciousness into the spirit, a lot of inner activity and inner effort is necessary on our part and that because of this effort and this kind of pulling ourselves together and participating in things, we're able also to have an understanding of what we experience. In normal life, that is not necessarily how we experience ourselves. In fact, it's something the other way around. It's through surrendering ourselves to our physical body that we have this amazing event that we call just normal consciousness. But it's in normal consciousness that we experience our thought as shadowy, as silhouette-like, and as abstract and fleeting. But we experience the rich and amazing world of normal perception and judgment, which uh, natural science and um, contemporary science is built on, as well as all of the technologies that can grow from that. Now, in the case of a person who has had a very strong experience through psychedelics and is then placed back in a, an experience of a kind of normal awareness where one's just surrendered to the body, something very important comes to the fore. And that is the following. When we're in such a situation, it's easy for us to imagine that the spiritual experience that we have just had is possible through turning towards the spiritual world with a kind of surrendered attitude, just like we do in our normal waking consciousness, where we surrender to our body and we try to pay attention through our body and through this surrender we can have all manner of amazing observations and develop all manner of amazing um, understandings and have insights related to these. And we just assume, which is quite natural, that we can carry over this attitude in relationship to, let's say, a psychedelic spiritual experience. We imagine it almost as if we were in the physical world, even though we know on some level that we weren't. And yet, we don't have an ability to imagine it any other way, necessarily. This is um, something that can happen right after we have the experience, but also every time we talk about the experience in normal consciousness, when we try to put it into words and we try to describe it and we try to make pictures and to understand it, we draw on our concepts and also our experiences from the physical world in order to give it meaning. Now, what this means is that um, the spiritual experience is cast in the form of kind of a physical or material experience in normal consciousness. And as I've tried to describe, normal consciousness unfolds on a kind of passive register, rightfully so. Now, how could this play this self out over decades? How could this play this self out, for instance, over 10 or 20 years? Now, ultimately, 
a concern presents itself here because what happens is that we interpret something as a part of the physical world and also as kind of somehow part of our abilities to make physical judgments, which actually isn't. And the more we tell the stories and the more we also reinterpret it on the foundation of normal consciousness, the more we reaffirm kind of integrating it into our normal understanding in this way. Eventually, this can have a deeply unsettling effect because we're faced with the fact that we have this kind of personal experience in our biography which we somehow integrate into our normal understanding of reality, which is generally shared in many ways, and yet it doesn't really fit. Not only that, but maybe our sensitivity for the spiritual, which we initially might have had even after the experience, has been repeatedly dampened down through the fact that we apply a kind of terrestrial earthly judgment to it without feeling the fact that it requires a whole nother level of participation in order to be accessed in the right way. Eventually, this can have the effect that we feel almost compelled, that one can feel compelled to take a hold of daily consciousness, normal science, normal understanding, and even materialism, and to reject, in a certain way, an openness to spiritual reality. This is a very paradoxical dynamic, whereby a very strong impulse comes into our biography, which has a spiritual character, but through our attempts to try to integrate it, but maybe not being fully, where we're not fully successful, we end up in a situation where it becomes an unsettling presence. And our repeated attempts to integrate it, however, with the wrong tools, have also gradually taken away and silenced many of its most important dimensions. And because of that, we may find ourselves feeling compelled to reject spiritual thinking and also spiritual ideas because we feel that our own coherent identity is somehow challenged in the end by this. And this is indeed a process that I think can be traced through the lives of some really remarkable and significant individuals uh, from the 1960s um, who were the first generation in modern times to have to deal with this situation and where one can follow something of this dynamic. The paradox is, is that psychedelic experience opened them profoundly in a way to consider spiritual ideas, but at the same time it led them towards a closing off um, and maybe even towards a kind of very radical ecological materialism or some other variety. This is a concern that I hope is understandable and also that people can follow and that is connected to the question 
of how a spirituality can be developed where we can access the, the spirit without undermining daily consciousness, daily uh, normal knowledge and um, understanding. And um, despite it being a complicated and sensitive topic, I hope that this contribution can be meaningful for people who are living with, perhaps having had such experiences, who are perhaps considering seeking such experiences, or even just trying to understand um, the, the, the situation in a way um, that makes sense to them. Questions of Courage is a project of the youth section of the Goethe Anum, and it is a collaboration with Goethe Anum TV and also the communications team. And besides just offering contributions which could be meaningful for young people who have deeper spiritual interests, it is also an opportunity for us to invite contributions to a Youth Access and Project Fund. The Youth Access and Project Fund uh, will support um, young people to attend and participate in projects and programs related to some of the issues that um, I've been bringing up in the past episodes and in this episode, and um, also go to support other types of youth work. The production costs are very low for Questions of Courage, and so if you make a donation, you can rest assured that almost the entirety of it will be directed towards youth work. Thank you for joining me.